and welcome back to another episode of Sports Meets Money, where our business is sports. Currently, the sport of how do we figure out this puzzle known as conference realignment. Mm. So, today's subject, presented by me, your co-host, Med, a.k.a. Marketing Medi, and my uh, co-host and brother, Alejandro, a.k.a. Ale Swap. AKA now the SEC boys. SEC, we are SEC <laughs> boys now for some reason. Yeah. Um, today's topic: the ACC, and not the home of the River Bats, Austin Community College. <laughs> yeah. So as as you may have figured, now we have this certain thing where we like to give a quick historical um, rundown rundown of of the the conferences, and we'll start here for at 1953 where after losing a multitude of SEC teams, which at a time was a 23-member conference, uh, they lose 18 members to the ACC. These, uh, the ACC had this uh, seven to eight teams all the way up until the 70s, and they added a, one or two teams. And then finally, in the, 19, uh, in the 1990s, that's when they started to come to uh, – expand into uh, bigger, better things, adding Florida State. Uh, and that move by Florida State to the ACC is what really made the ACC what it is today. Uh, in in the 90s, Florida State, I believe, they won uh, three national championship games, or it played in three national championship games and won two titles um, whilst in the ACC. So after... FSU's dominance in the 90s, many teams started to, uh, I guess, bat their eye or look over this way to the ACC. Uh, so that included the addition of Miami, Virginia Tech, Boston College, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Louisville, and Notre Dame. Crazy, right? Notre Dame joins, but not for football, just every other sport. <laughs> but speaking of Louisville and Notre Dame, uh, this, uh, I'm sorry, I was. Kept hearing Louisville, and I was like, "Is this a Papa John's joke that I can make now?" Or yeah, or that what what's what's that, what's that coach's name? Rick Rick. Yeah. What school? Uh, Louisville basketball coach. No clue. Okay, let's <laughs> skip that. A uh, certain uh, Penn State coach. So yeah, say. in twenty twelve, the ACC started to see uh increase in, in members of the ACC wanting to leave. The first member who officially leaves is the Maryland Turpin, Terrapins. And after that, the ACC was like, okay, hold up. Let's stop this. We're going to uh, sign a, a, a grant of rights deal, which basically locks in every member of the ACC into a media rights deal until the end of 2027, which basically leads us to where we are today. Where are these schools going to go? They're all locked in this deal for 2027. So even if they did decide to leave, they'd be locked in this media deal, which basically would make it pointless for them to leave the conference. Well, I got some bad news. Grand rights, 2027. There are media dealings that are actually present until 2036. Mm. But before we get into it, let's kind of continue our trend and highlight the importance of these conferences which can only be really showcased by the base aspect of college football culture. It's our team against that other team 
on a similar size field of a different color, but it's a different town, so screw them. We hate yeah. the rivalries. Let's get to it. So one that I got is uh, the Commonwealth Cup, and this is between Virginia and Virginia Tech. And uh, the cup is uh, described as uh, basically the Stanley Cup of Virginia, where they have all, I know, to this point, I believe it's 90-plus games of them engraved into this uh, to this cup. Shout Winner out to Stanley. Winner gets to retain that cup. And uh, so this rivalry for us Texans is reminiscent of the Texas versus Texas A&M rivalry. If you want to compare it so you can understand the magnitude of it, uh, it's to the point where there was a time and a theme between this uh, in this rivalry where kids would come back to school just to avenge a defeat in the rivalry. And the rivalry as it stands is 41-36 in favor of Tech. So I'm going to go next. We're going to swap out here. I wish I had a storied rivalry for this next one. <laughs> I chose it because I am... The name? <laughs> really, it's just because of the name. Apparently, this is actually rivalry because of name. Known as the Tech Mobile, not to be uh, confused with Technology Mobile, yeah. or Techno Bowl, literally the video game. <laughs> Georgia Tech versus one formerly led by Michael Vick, Virginia Tech. Mm. Now, it's also known as the Battle of the Techs. I wish I can give you a long story rivalry with championships. Yeah. I think the winner gets a software update at this point. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, but they don't really play each other that often, bro. Yeah. Okay. The ACC said, hey, you know what? We're going to get rid of our divisional format. Every team is going to have three teams that they are permanently going to play every year as a rival, and then five teams as a rotation. If this rivalry meant much, I'm sorry, ACC, for some reason your best rivalries, maybe because teams keep leaving here, um, your best rivalries, including best names, are not even part of the ACC anymore. Mm. I mean, backyard brawl, Pitt, but West Virginia University. So it's literally just the Tech Mobile, and that's it. They've played each other, I think, 12 times. It's not really much of a rivalry here. I think... For me, the biggest rivalry in the ACC is uh, the Victory Belt, uh, Duke versus UNC. Uh, they've been playing for a while, but in 1948, two uh, two cheerleaders, one from UNC and uh, one from Duke, the UNC one being Norman Spur and the Duke one being Loring Jones, both des- des- uh, decided to create some, like, these teams, these teams obviously are rivals, but let's create some something even more significant, like like how we have in Texas the Golden Hat at the State Fair. They decided to make the Victory Bell, and in two thousand four, North Carolina beats Duke one year after losing the blue, uh, the devil the Blue Devils, and they decided to make this tradition. We're gonna paint our school color onto the bell, and they continue this tradition. Uh, until, uh, okay, so 2012, I'm going to give Duke their, their, they went back and they painted it Duke blue, but, uh, after that, uh, after 2012, UNC upsets Duke and North Carolina players immediately painted the trophy. What do you call it? Tar Heel Blue? Carolina Blue? Carolina Blue. What, what does Nike call it? Yeah, Carolina Blue. Pantone? On the field, but that's not all. The Tar Heels also left their mark on Duke's campus painting the visiting locker room. 
Carolina Blue as well. Uh, North Carolina had a pay up, pay Duke $27,170.44 for damages. And after that year, they had to stop painting the bell just because of that. But I just felt like that was a, I guess historically that's one of the longest rivalries. And symbolically, like the victory bell, the painting of it, the creation of it, makes it one of the best rivalries in the ACC. So, one, I mean, taking back what's yours, repainting it, vandalism, all the makings of a great rivalry. That sounds like, like a good college uh, is, hazing right there. I, okay, we can't use that word. At the or, or, or college... Uh, Oh, no experience. Absolutely. <laughs> you got the freshman 15 and vandalism. That's They go hand in hand, I guess. So, <laughs> man, I'm really not painting the school as a problem. I'm sorry. And this ACC is very uh, prestigious. It's okay. It's okay. We can say these things. We, we're the SEC boys now. We don't get affected by these things. I still can't believe this is a thing now next year. So, I got one final rival here. Florida State. Okay. And... Miami, mm-hmm. the U. <laughs> Shout out Ray Lewis until he became a Raven. Go Steelers. So, gotta do that little. Ray you Lewis do that, and then Troy Polamalu is gonna shut y'all down to AFC Championship. I'm just okay. saying. Okay. Shout out Troy, the only USC Trojan under Reggie Bush. I'll be like, all right, fair point, respect. Okay. Um, here's the deal. There's no great name to this rivalry, however. All-time series, Miami leads 35-32, so it's pretty close-knit rivalry here. 67 meetings total. The largest victory was is actually tied. 1976, Miami cleans them 47-0. Mm. 97, which is 21 years later, Florida State 47-0. The winner receives the Florida Cup. Now, the reason why I chose this rivalry, mm. other than the fact that I was probably scraping at the bottom of the barrel here, <laughs> ACC fans, put your rivalries out there, full blast. Like, see, take pride in these rivalries. We're not yeah. getting enough of these. So, here's the thing: you go to the notable game section of this rivalry. You see one thing and one thing in particular. A great amount of names. Not there's games before this, but '91. Less than a minute left. Field goal to win the game. Mm-hmm. Game in 17-16. Not the way the field goal should have went. <laughs> Seminoles lose because. Their kicker, Keith Jackson, hits the ball. It's a little bit too uh, right. Yeah. It's known as wide right the entire game. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's now known as wide right one because a year later, Seminoles, different kicker, wide right two. 2000, wide right three. In mm. 02, we have wide left. Look at us being diverse. <laughs> 2004, wide right four. Revenge of the wide rights, I don't know. 2005, it's called the Miami Muff. I'm assuming it's a punt situation here. 2006, they meet at the Orange Bowl again. Mm. However, we get some dope more names here. 2016, the block at the Rock. <laughs> 2017, the rally in Tally. I'm assuming Tallahassee. Tallahassee. 2018, the comeback, also known as Wide Left 2. Wow. It's like Sharknado just keep having more of these. <laughs> Seriously, is there something in Miami where people can't kick field goals? What's going on here? So Might be the win. The Dolphins don't have that issue. <laughs> it's not like it's the AFC North. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. 2021, fourth and 14 isn't really the name of the game. If at any point you can go through one half of a battle and literally 
that game is forever known in the uh, hall of that rivalry by literally one particular play or setting of that game, that's a legendary game. 4th and 14. Yeah, because I can give you an example. Ale, recall this game right now based off two things. Vince Young, 4th and 5. That's the, that's the Rose Bowl, 2005. Master Championship. For see, when you can recall off that, <laughs> you know it's a great rivalry. Yeah. Because I can say fourth and five, or I, can, I will literally just say Vince Young, or I'll say Vince, and I'll look at USC fans in the eyes and just watch them have a tear fall down. They're like, why would you ever bring this back up? Yeah. I've literally posted a panoramic of that game. And I've had USC fans Cue, that I'm friends with. Uh, emotional damage meme? No, for real. They're literally like, why would you ever post that? I'm like, it's the greatest moment of my childhood. Shout out Vince Young. Yeah. But you know what? It's still consistent, even though rivalries aren't on full blast. Yeah. The money. Money! All right, here we go. I'm going to give you guys three examples here of uh, boosters. A longer example of why boosters are important can be found in our previous episode, the Big 12 episode. These are three interesting uh, booster situations. Mm-hmm. Clemson has something, I don't know if they call it IPTA or what, it's I-P-T-A-Y. It's basically the athletic fundraising arm of the University of Clemson Tigers. Um, a record $135 million in 2023 this year has been donated for their athletics fundraising arm. The largest donor was actually a couple, Jim and Candace Brown. The exact amount is unknown, but it's called a cornerstone gift. Now, according to Clemson Athletics, a cornerstone gift means that someone has donated at least $2.5 million so we're going to assume, okay, $2.5 million, not chump change, but you know we've seen bigger donations. Yeah, Here's a weird thing. It's been reported that this is the biggest gift in the almost 90-year history of the IPTAY. We, this could be $200 million, like McLean did with Baylor. Mm-hmm. This could be just $2.5 million. This could be $13.5. We don't know. But that is serious money. No. So here's another one. Duke. Yep. There's no particular alumni will uh, name for like as a sole person, yeah. but Duke is a tier one U- uh, research university. Not like the R1, R2 research levels. Tier one means you are a major private research university. Mm-hmm. In terms of New York Times' tiers, the University of Texas Austin being an R1 research facility would be called a tier three or tier four university because they're public. Mm. Duke is essentially a non-Ivy League, Ivy League school. Wow. The average family income of a Duke student is actually $186,000. Yeah, you're not exactly fighting for scholarship there. Your dad's got the paycheck, apparently. So no surprise, Duke has a variety of donors. Here's a few quick ones, though. Steve Brooks, $13 million. David Rubenstein, I believe in 2012, $10 million. Matt Anderson, while well, athletics suffered, especially during the spring of the global pandemic, Matt Anderson said, ah, you know what, I feel bad. It's my alma mater. Here's $6 million. Go ahead, lunch is on me. Not too shabby, right? For a school that has brought an average of half a billion dollars in private funding past couple years. Now, here's my last booster I'm going to give you guys here for real quick. (laughs) Miami, the Hurricanes. By far the most recent headline in the world of college athletics boosters, even NIO. Because of one name and one name only. John Ruiz. ESPN calls this man the NIO king. He uses company LifeWallet. To give large NIL deals to, you know, the uh, Hurricanes athletes. That sounds sketchy. Um, <laughs> NIL collectives, right? That's a different episode. When Miami made it to the Final Four of you know, men's basketball tournament, yeah. Ruiz could be seen celebrating on the court. Maybe you get VIP access when you provide more <laughs> than $10 million in NIL funding 
in a single year. This is year one of NIL when nobody knew what it was. He was like, oh, I mean, I can just pay players. Come 10 mil, let's go. <laughs> hey, boys, here's a sponsorship from Life Wallets. Now, you see, the reason why I bring up John Ruiz is something interesting. As we talk about evolution funded by largely financial gain and the sport of college football, we have to understand that and this has just changed the landscape of regionality, um, our own rivalries in history. It changes how you can influence your university. Yeah. You don't have to write a massive check as a write-off to an endowment fund and hope your AD makes the right decisions because you're influencing them. No, 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 no. You can make sure your school is going to be competitive because you can just pay players nowadays with your company. Yeah. And here's the best part. Instead of donating and writing off 60% of your total annual income per the Internal Revenue Service, just use your company's marketing budget. Write it <laughs> off as business loss. Yeah. That's a good idea. Reportedly, the volume of deals, however, has decreased. According to its annual report, per on3.com, by the way, don't sue us, shut up, Brett Favre from Pat Maxby, Life Wallet <laughs> made almost a billion dollars, less than expected. So you're probably thinking, oh, they're supposed to make 20 billion, they made 19, sucks, but it's a <laughs> massive, Ale on God, I wish I was wrong here. So their actual earnings, mind you, the expected earnings was close to 900 and 73 million um they made only 23.4 million 95 percent shot down here maybe after both the security and exchange commission you know the sec we don't like to represent ourselves as don't worry me and ali will never be the securities and exchange commission boys that's it's not exactly our repertoire here um and the u.s attorney's office for the southern district of florida when they stopped their investigations um, I'm not going to speak to that because they're pending and ongoing. Mm. Maybe at that point, we'll go back to Life Wallet, uh, resuming their uh, operations and um, successfully to where they can shell out more and more money. The key benefactor being athletes of the University of Miami. Now, if you happen to be an athlete or know somebody, shout out to you. Go and get your money. Mm-hmm. On, money! For, on God, go and get your money. That's my best advice to every athlete out there. Yeah. Now... It's going to talk about the past two years. The ACC, Ale, I think has been the most quiet up until recently. Yeah. But also the oddest situation. Yeah, they've kind of been at a standstill for quite a while. There's not really been addition of teams. Yeah. And what what seemed like a bunch of mudslides ever since the 2021 announcement of Texas and OU. Yeah. There's really been a weird stalemate going on here yeah, stagnation now like that is kind of influencing other programs to try and take that leap of faith but as yeah. mentioned earlier the acc's got something for that <laughs> so let's kind of go through it um there was a scheduling alliance okay we mentioned a pac-12 episode yeah. that the pac-12 the acc yeah both coast right there and the big 10 sandwiched between the two technically they made a scheduling alliance when Texas and OU announced that they were going to go to the SEC yeah. to make sure your out-of-conference games are scheduled in between them, integrity of strength of schedule, conferences, and to really make sure nobody's leaving teams behind or you know teams are just escaping in the middle of the night the way that the once Baltimore Colts did on Mayflower Trucking yeah. and Jim Mercy took in Indy. So also, Indy happens to be the home of the Big Ten National Championship games. Yeah. So con- uh, pretty Until- uh, convenient. Vegas. Um, what's weird is that alliance went downhill pretty quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. UCLA Bruins and the USC Trojans announced they're going to the Big Ten. Now, what's weird is a lot of this came out to one principal thing and one principal thing only. Money! 
All right. So here's the deal here. We we really need a soundboard. I just, we're just cueing you to randomly do this. <laughs> so here's the deal. The media rights deal. As I mentioned, there's a conversation on grant of rights until 2027. There's a extended media deal that actually goes until 2036. Does that include all the teams right now, or is that only... I believe so. It's so weird and wonky. I've, I've listened to so many people. I've heard random ACC and Big Ten podcasts describe it. I've heard probably the current new voice of college football's landscape, Josh Pay, talk about his show. Yeah. Kirk Herbstreit, the overall voice of college football, talking yeah. about it. It's really weird. I mean, the biggest thing, right is one thing and one thing only. The ACC is not making any at all, to be honest. I mean, on average, I think over the next few years, ACC schools are kind of just locked in on a deal. And that's about 30 or 40 million per year, which you're like, yo, that's a lot of money. Maybe in 2012, when we're having a University of Texas potential leave to the Pacific Conference, that would have been weird considering we're the Gulf Coast. Um, in modern times, no. I mean, the Big Ten schools are making maybe close to a hundred million. Well, the Big Ten, I actually pull up here, eighty to one hundred million dollars annually per mm. school. Yeah. The mm. Southeastern Conference is seventy million annually. Wow. The Big Twelve, with their new deal, is close to fifty million annually. We discussed it on our last episode. Feel free to check that out. The ACC is at thirty-five million annually. The only people below them are the Pac-12 at twenty million, but like they're not getting the deal. I mean. Mm. You, Play the Undertaker funeral music and hopefully they come out of the casket <laughs> in a bare live match against Kane. Who knows? Yeah. That's a deep WWE cut, I think. So here's the deal. It's a weird situation. I mean, you're locked in for so long with ESPN. Great business. Yeah. Right? You have your commercial primetime blocks, but like you don't have assets to support that. Yeah, and like teams want to drastically leave. And the weirdest thing is understanding a buyout price, because okay, here's what happened. Florida State has been the most vocal teams to want to leave. Yeah. However, there's a report of a quote-unquote magnificent seven schools that explored earlier on this year leaving the ACC. Mm. Probably, hey, we're going to go uh, rendezvous here, but then we're going to split our ways amongst the uh, the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah. Revenue distribution is a big deal. Um, certain teams want more money, which I kind of get, right? Yeah. If you are a... If you're in Ohio State and Michigan, you might get along because you want to make more money than, I mean, Nebraska right now and mm-hmm. let's see a Iowa, mm-hmm. right? And revenue distribution is a big issue. I think they're trying to rework a deal here. Yeah. Problem is everyone feels stuck in a deal. Now, how do you get out of a deal? You buy your way out. You have to negotiate it. Yeah. Here's where it becomes weird. Some people value it at $120 million, but you have about, what, 12 years after the season to leave? Yeah. Um, some people are saying it's five times that. Frankly, if you just looked at the, what is it, uh, thirty million was the number, thirty-five yes. million annually, right? What does that put us? Thirty-five million annually, twelve years. Yeah. You would be looking at four hundred twenty million dollars in value. Mm-hmm. That's without fees and other stuff that has yeah. to happen. Okay. Um, lost wages. I'm sure there's other valuation issues within that. Florida State apparently, this is alleged had looked at even financing through a bank. They've looked at private equity. I'm sure other teams in the Magnificent Seven, Magnificent Seven have looked at raising private equity. Mm. I don't know what that means. I mean, it's a nonprofit state university. Yeah. Maybe it's, hey, we have a cut of your next 10 years of earnings. We'll take 5% or whatever. 
until we recoup our money. Maybe yeah. licensing rights from Florida State Athletics with Seminoles. They'll get some cut of it. Just, just watch Shark Tank. I'm sure Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary has something for <laughs> these guys. If not, Mark Cuban has the money for it. Mm. Here's the biggest issue I would say is uh, going on here. <laughs> you want email? Mark Cuban's email is out there. We could email him. Like, yo, how do you feel about Seminoles? <laughs> but um, he's an Illinois guy. You know, Hoosiers. I think the weirdest thing is to kind of summarize what's going on here these past few years. The, uh, the tides of college football are shifting. While schools such as Oregon State may have found themselves shipwrecked, institutions such as University of Texas Longhorns and the Oregon Ducks have received that extra push towards, you know, the brave new world. As America Vespucci probably would have coined it, the new Americas. As for the teams in the ACC, they are stuck at the docks. Now, what does that mean? Your smaller ships wouldn't be able to survive the storm. They'd flip over. They'd get shipwrecked. Maybe they would hit an iceberg somewhere. Yeah, address. That's, you know, that's why they stay there. Your larger institutions who can afford to gamble, right? Your Miami, your Florida State, yeah. your Clemson Tigers. Um, Basketball-wise, you would put up more of an argument for Duke. Overall, especially with you know Mac Brown being there, UNC, you have a lot more arguments that, hey, maybe we'd find ourselves in a brave new world looking for spices and misusing <laughs> an entire people for right. – People from India, shout out to my subcontinent. Um, but yeah, no, I think the major issue with the ACC is that they're stuck at the docks. There's no logical conclusion over the past two years. I can yeah. directly reach for a conference as a whole, but I do believe that we're pretty much in that mentality and they're waiting the game out and what might not be a good thing. Sometimes if you're going to be in a game, you got to check in and score some points. If not, you're going to end up losing the game. Yeah. So. I think that's uh, roughly for the conference as an overall whole. Yeah. If anybody disagrees with us, I mean, like we always say, at M-E-E-T-S, money on Twitter, please let us know. We'd love to know your opinions on the message boards or anywhere else. Yeah. Now, Ali, that's what I have for the overall landscape at ACC. Yeah. But let's get into the microeconomics of it or the microcosm issues. What do you think certain teams should do? And should I, despite the 106-degree weather outside, get an umbrella? It's time. The storm's coming, baby. Get that umbrella. It is. So Ale's brainstorm. Now look, in the in our previous episode, I went into teams that uh specifically teams what they should do, etc. What I'm gonna do with this one is I'm gonna talk about the ACC. Uh and I think the biggest problem that uh Mad uh, mentioned was Basically, they're trying to bridge this financial gap that they have in comparison to other conferences. Uh, That includes their media rights. Now, I looked into it. The ACC and the SEC are signed to the same deal as with ESPN. So, to be honest, uh, as much as Clemson wants to go to the Big Ten, as much as Florida State just wants to leave, period, I think for the ACC, which I see it, if they don't make a change soon, it's going to be the next one to die. But as a conference, I feel like what they should do is kind of merge the ACC with the SEC and create this mega conference. And that's why I believe, uh, you know, that's the only thing that's going to save the ACC 
and that and make the teams in the ACC happy is if they bridge this gap by by merging the conferences of ACC and SEC and branding it as a larger product, which I feel like in the end would help both conferences. That's my that's my big take, my hot take, my brainstorming session. In order to bridge this gap with the ACC and the teams involved, we got to make a big move, and that big move, join the SEC. Somehow, someway, you already got the same media rights deal with them. And the ACC was smart enough to lock in the teams that are already in there, so how about we just slide them into the SEC? But all being said... This was another edition of Sports Meets Money, where our business is sports. My name is Alejandro, a.k.a. Ale Swap, joined by my co-host and brother. Med, a.k.a. Market and Medi. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Sports Meets Money. Cut! <laughs>